European Heart Journal Issue at a Glance, Volume 37, Issue 40, by Editor-in-Chief Professor Thomas Lucia. Coronary and Cerebrovascular Interventions Imaging is essential in the diagnosis of cardiovascular diseases, as well as in guiding catheter-based and surgical interventions. While some modalities, such as ultrasound and MRI, are devoid of the untoward effects of radiation, others, such as angiography, CT and nuclear testing, are not. For the latter modalities, careful monitoring to protect operators and patients is essential. In their current opinion, DNA damage-associated biomarkers in studying individual sensitivity to low-dose radiation from cardiovascular imaging Joseph C. Wu and colleagues from Stanford University in California, USA, note that exposure to low-dose radiation, i.e. below 100 millisieverts, has risen dramatically over the last decade. This is a concern, as even low-radiation exposure from medical imaging presents a small but definite risk of cancer. An estimation of the effective health risk, however, is difficult to obtain as there is limited evidence on the cellular effects of low-dose radiation. Commonly, frequently used DNA damage, related biomarkers, and cellular models to determine the effects of low-dose radiation exposure from cardiac imaging also have to consider the individual radiation response. Thus, all such markers have advantages and limitations, as have the cell types that have been currently used in such studies. Their potential clinical application, therefore, of an unirradiated population, or to determine whether a substitution of a radiation-based imaging technique might have a health impact, is extensively discussed in this review. Percutaneous interventions are most commonly performed in the coronary circulation to treat angina and revascularize patients with an acute coronary syndrome as outlined in the ESC guidelines. However, rapid revascularization is as important in patients with stroke. In their review, Catheter-Based Interventions for Acute Ischemic Stroke, by Peter Vidimsky and colleagues from Charles University in Prague, Czech Republic, discuss the clinical value of catheter-based interventions for acute ischemic stroke, which currently include clot removal usually from the medial cerebral artery, with modern stent retrievers, and in one of five patients who have simultaneous or standalone internal carotid occlusion and also extracranial carotid intervention. Several recently published randomized trials clearly demonstrated superiority of catheter-based interventions with or without bridging thrombolysis over best medical therapy. Healthcare systems worldwide should adopt this strategy for the treatment of acute stroke by providing 24-7 interventional laboratories with trained operators. Carotid endarterectomy, either surgically or with catheter-based interventions, has been shown to effectively relieve obstructions in the extracranial cerebrovascular circulation. However, Silent brain infarctions occur in as many as one-third of patients after carotid endarterectomy and in up to two-thirds of patients after carotid angioplasty and stenting. Thus, 
technologies preventing such events are an unmet clinical need. Sonolysis employs ultrasound to facilitate disruption of thrombi and has been shown to be safe and effective for improving long-term outcome following acute stroke. David Skoludik and colleagues from the Sonobuster trial group examined this in their paper Sonolysis in Prevention of Brain Infarction During Carotid Endarterectomy and Stenting, Sonobuster, a randomized controlled trial. Specifically, they investigated whether intraoperative sonolysis alters the risk of new brain ischemic lesions during carotid endarterectomy or carotid angioplasty and stenting. To that end, 487 consecutive patients with internal carotid stenosis greater or equal to 70% indicated for carotid endarterectomy slash carotid angioplasty and stenting were screened prospectively and randomly allocated to sonolysis and control groups. Neurological examination, cognitive function tests, and brain magnetic resonance imaging were conducted before intervention and at 24 hours and 30 days. New brain ischemic lesions on post-procedure magnetic resonance imaging occurred in 31% of the patients undergoing sonolysis and in 47% of the control patients. Sonolysis and carotid endarterectomy were identified as independent predictors of reduced brain ischemia risk with odds ratios of 0.45 and 0.21 respectively. Stroke, or transient ischemic attack, occurred in only one sonolysis patient and in three control patients. No significant group differences were found in post-intervention cognitive test scores. The authors conclude that this study provides class 2 evidence that sonolysis during carotid endarterectomy or carotid angioplasty and stenting reduces the risk of new brain ischemic lesions. Several imaging modalities used in addition to radiation radio contrast media of different kinds. Both iodine-containing radio contrast media, as well as gadolinium used for MRI, should not be applied in patients with severe renal failure. In the EHJ brief communication, Imaging and Physiology-Guided Percutaneous Coronary Intervention Without Contrast Administration in Advanced Renal Failure, a Feasibility, Safety and Outcome Study, Ziad A. Ali and colleagues from the Presbyterian Hospital and Columbia University in New York, USA, evaluated the feasibility, safety, and clinical utility of percutaneous coronary intervention, or PCI, without radiocontrast medium in patients with advanced chronic kidney disease. They used a specific strategy for zero-contrast PCI with the aims of preserving renal function and preventing the need for renal replacement therapy in this patient population. They present a preliminary series of 25 consecutive patients with advanced chronic kidney disease and a plasma creatinine level of 4.4 mg per deciliter and an estimated glomerular filtration rate of 15 ml per minute per 1.73 m squared, who underwent PCI based on a prior minimal contrast coronary angiogram that were prospectively included. 
Zero-contrast percutaneous coronary intervention was performed at least one week after diagnostic angiography using real-time intravascular ultrasound guidance commonly used in clinical trials to assess atheromas with pre- and post-PCI measurements of fractional flow reserve and coronary flow reserve to confirm physiological improvement. This approach resulted in successful PCI, no major adverse cardiovascular events, and preservation of renal function without the need for renal replacement therapy within a follow-up time of three in all patients. The authors conclude that in patients with advanced chronic kidney disease who require revascularization, PCI may safely be performed without contrast using intravascular ultrasound and physiological guidance with high procedural success and without complications. Not all patients undergoing coronary angiography will eventually receive a stent or will undergo bypass surgery. In their paper, Risk Stratification of Patients Undergoing Medical Therapy After Coronary Angiogram, Philippe Genereau and colleagues from the Cardiovascular Research Foundation in New York, USA, investigated the prognostic impact of the syntax synergy between percutaneous coronary intervention with taxis and cardiac surgery score. On one-year clinical outcomes in patients with non-ST segment elevation acute coronary syndromes undergoing medical therapy only. Among the 13,819 patients enrolled in the ACUITY trial and undergoing coronary angiogram 4,491 patients were treated with medical therapy as the initial strategy. Of those, a baseline syntax score and complete angiographic analysis were available in 1,275 patients. Patients were divided into four groups based on the presence or absence of coronary artery disease and subsequently among patients with coronary artery disease by syntax score. Major adverse cardiac events and its individual components, death, myocardial infarction, and unplanned revascularization, were compared between groups. Among the 1,275 medically treated patients, the mean syntax score was 3.5, with a wide range from 0 to 45. As expected, the one-year rates of major adverse cardiac events were higher in patients with coronary artery disease and higher syntax score. By multivariable analysis, the syntax score was a strong predictor of all adverse ischemic events, including mortality. By ROC analysis, a syntax score cutoff of 8 showed the best prognostic accuracy for death and major adverse cardiac events. The authors conclude that in patients with non-ST segment elevation acute coronary syndromes undergoing medical therapy, the syntax score, especially when higher than 8, is a strong predictor of one-year major adverse cardiac events, including mortality. This finding has important clinical implications for risk stratification of patients with non-ST segment elevation acute coronary syndromes undergoing medical therapy after an initial angiogram. This manuscript is accompanied by a thoughtful editorial by Paul W. Armstrong from the University of Alberta in Edmonton, Canada. The editors hope that this issue of the European Hearts Journal will find the interest of its readers.